everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. All oh, those Houston Astros win yet again. The weekend was rough for the Strohs, dropping the first two games to the Seattle Mariners, but they closed out the weekend by avoiding the sweep on Sunday. Then they make the short trip from Seattle down to Oakland, and now they've taken the first two games looking for the sweep this afternoon, and you can listen to it, of course, live right here on the game, your home. For Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, better known as the big, bald, and beautiful one. Of course, I'm joined here in the studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. The intern, Daryl, is also here. Is he? achieve status of being intern extraordinaire not yet but later on today could go a long way towards that no pressure big fella no pressure we got a great show lined up for you today only got two guests back into the show final hour we'll talk nba finals get a preview of that from our buddy dan favali bleacher report nba reporter will join us at straight up eight o'clock at 8.30 today, my old friend, Louisiana Tech color commentator and one of the best darn columnists this side of the Mississippi, Teddy Allen will join us to give us a feel for the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. They're one of four teams that made an NCAA regional from the state of Louisiana. So we'll be talking NBA Finals and we'll be talking a little NCAA regional baseball in the final hour with our two guests, Dan Favali and Teddy Allen. That means we got plenty of time to get your phone calls in today on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company. You know the number, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111 is the number. We would like, love to hear from you. We can touch on anything. NBA playoffs, which we'll discuss. More of Jameis Winston. Oh, yeah, we're going to discuss that as well. Raging Cajuns, LSU, sure. But we're going to lead off today's show talking about them Houston Astros. Another glorious Kevin Foote type of win for the Strohs on a busy, busy day and night in Major League Baseball. 3-1 victory for the Strohs. I'd say that's the sweet spot for Kevin Foote. If you asked him what he would want a victory to be, the most ideal victory for his throws would be 3-1. It's a comfortable two-run win, but you don't spend a lot of time scoring a bunch of runs. You also don't give up a bunch of runs. It's the perfect. 3-1 victory, I think, is the ideal Kevin Foote victory. I will ask him today to find out. 
Strohs make it three straight and two in a row over the Athletics with last night's victory. Story of the game, though, was some timely hits, but also the relief pitching for the Strohs. Oakland plates a run in the bottom of the fourth to take the lead. one nothing. Strohs come back tied up, 1-1 in the fifth, and then add two more there in the top of the eighth. But it was the pitching. Christian Javier did not have his best stuff yesterday. Only went four innings. Gave up only four hits, but one earned run did strike out four. So it was a short outing for Javier yesterday. And Dusty Baker said, not a problem, Christian. We got you. Let's go to the bullpen. He threw five different pitchers over the next five innings. Each one got an inning apiece. Those five relief pitchers scattered four hits over the five innings, no runs, while striking out three. I've said this before about the Strohs. They're pitching. We focus so much on their lineup because you got someone that can hit 50 home runs in a season like Jordan Alvarez. You got a former MVP candidate in Alex Bregman. You got a former league MVP in Jose Altuve. You got the rookie sensation, Jeremy Pena. Kyle Tucker before he got hurt. There's a lot to focus on because that team can rake all day long. But this pitching is kind of filthy. Verlander's the ace. He's the star. We know that. Former Cy Young Award winner, former MVP, future Hall of Famer. But they got a bunch of other dudes that have become dogs. Urquidy, Framer Valdez, who pitched wonderfully the day before. And even when Javier doesn't have his best day. And it's an early day for him. Dusty Baker trusts his bullpen enough to be able to get the job done. You realize how much of an advantage it is to say, hey, my starting pitcher is only going to go four innings tonight, but I'm not worried because I got a bunch of dogs that can come in out of the pen. Their bullpen's really good. Really good. You know, Presley... We focused on him because he's the closer. He closes the door, right? He's, he gets the saves. But Montero got the win last night. By the way, he's 3-0 and on the season. Coming in in relief, he was the third, the fourth pitcher used, the third reliever used in last night's game. Naris can pitch. Stanek can pitch. They got a bunch of guys. They have the rotation. Verlander, Garcia, Urquidy, Valdez. Christian Javier, they'll get Lance McCullers Jr. back sometime this year. They'll get Odorizzi back sometime this year. So they're six deep in the rotation. And then they got four or five guys they can depend on out of the pin. Who's got that in Major League Baseball? That is a huge advantage for the Astros over everyone else because it's just not one guy. 
they can count on multiple guys. Our guy doesn't have his best stuff. We want to give him a rest. We want to give him an easy night, a short outing. Come on out, not to worry. I got five guys I can put out on the mound for the rest of the game to win the game. There's maybe only a few teams in Major League Baseball as it stands this morning, the first day of June, June 1st, that have that, that possess that type of flexibility, versatility, and absolute dominance. Because then you don't have a weak link. You, you're deep as it is. You got a six-man rotation if you wanted to. And let's say one of those guys is struggling. Then you're as opposition. You go, well, that's the weak guy. He's struggling. He's had a few bad outings. Let's get him. We can attack. We can steal a game. We can win this game. Hold up. No, you can't. Because Dusty Baker can simply say, that guy's getting pulled early and I can throw five different guys at you in this game. Good night. Thank you for playing. I know it's early in the season. I know it's only June 1st. But this Astros pitching staff, from the rotation to the bullpen, watch out. And here's the other part of that for the Strohs. They're six deep right now, right? You have Verlander, Urquidy, Framer Valdez, Garcia, Javier. So you got five guys. You get two more guys coming back. Okay. That means you got seven, right? They're probably going to make a move at the deadline, which means they're going to add an eighth guy to the mix. And here's the thing. You get McCullers back sometime this season. You're going to get Jake Odorizzi back sometime this season. Which means some of these guys will be coming out of the bullpen too for the postseason. Because you're not going to use a six or seven man rotation, are you? No, you're going to use a four man rotation. Maybe five, but typically four. So that means the other arms that have been pitching really well all year now you can count on them to go out there and give you four innings out of the pin and now your team just got even better for the postseason telling you we focus on the hitting but the pitching is going to be key Astros didn't get a ton of hits in last night's game they were only able to get seven of them and only scored the three runs but they made it count and it came from an unlikely source and I'm not talking about Jordan Alvarez, who went two for four with a run scored. Yuli Gurriel went one for four, got himself a hit. The rookie sensation, Pena, got himself a hit. But what about McCormick? My man went three of four on the night, scored a run, drove in two. He had been hitting 230. I mean, he had been hitting below 230. After the game, he's now up to 230. Your eight-hole hitter was the star of the game in the batter's box. Once again, the Strohs lineup is so filthy that on a night where Bregman is over and Brantley is over and Altuve, your top three hitters combined to go 0 for 9. Your top three hitters in the lineup went 0 for 9 Yet, you still found a way to win because your number eight hitter, who was batting below 230 entering the game, 
goes off by going three for four with a run scored and two ribbies. This is what the Astros do. This is what... It's a perfect opportunity if you're Oakland. You don't have their... Astros are not going out with their best pitcher on the bump, right? You feel like you got a chance because of that. Your pitcher does its job by getting the top three hitters, which typically are your three best hitters. Have them go hitless. And by the way, there's no Kyle Tucker because he's got the injury. Hey, things are things are lining up for Oakland. Nope. Because the guy that you think is a scrub in the lineup, the guy that you don't think is any good, the guy that you think is Pabon at the bottom of the lineup is the one that's going to burn you. I've said it all season long. I said it last season. I'll say it again. Every time one of the Astros falters or is in a slump, somebody's there to pick them up. There's always going to be somebody else in the lineup that goes, I got you, man. Not to worry. I got this. And there you go. Stroh's improved to 32-18. and 18. Remember when everyone was panicking when they were like a 500 ball club? Back in April? In early May? It's funny how that works. 32-18 and 18 overall. They'll get back to action tonight. Or this afternoon, rather. Day baseball. Yeah, 237 first pitch. Afternoon baseball. No Jordy Holberg show. No crunch time. Sorry to disappoint you there. You'll have to catch the live and local shows tomorrow, Thursday. Because we got day baseball. Strohs are going to go for the sweep. Three-game sweep over those Oakland Athletics this afternoon. You can listen to it live right here on the game. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Woo. Can the Strohs get the sweep? Can they put in the rearview mirror that awful series against the Seattle Mariners where they lost two of three look you just don't walk into the Emerald City you just don't walk into it you still go in there thinking you're just gonna win yeah they're the worst team in the division does not matter and look what has this Oakland series shown you too we saw how tough the Seattle series was and the Astros bats went a little quiet right yeah, they won the first game in the Oakland series 5-1, to one, but yesterday was a hard-fought 3-1 victory. You go on the road. If you're a team that's been to three World Series in five years, has been to five straight ALCSs, you got the scandal from a couple years ago that's made you the villain, every ballpark you go to in America, heck, even if you go up to Toronto, lovely city, by the way, I've been there, you are going to be the enemy. Those teams are going to rise up and try to play their best baseball against you because it means something to take down the Houston Astros. That's a feather in the cap. So any road trip Houston goes on is going to be a challenge. I don't care what the record says. Don't care what the record says. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on this Glorious hump day edition of RP3 and Company. We will be unveiling the foodie poll question of the week. Oh, it's a good one. In honor of 
the Cajun Heartland State Fair being back. That's what our foodie poll question is about. We'll unveil that coming up next. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms, though. They can also take your outdoor living spaces to another level and help your home become the envy of the neighborhood during game days. That's right. You love to entertain at your place, right? I know you do. You love to have the fellas over on game day, watching the Tigers, watching the Cajuns, watching the Cowboys of McNeese, watching Saints on Sunday. You love making it an event. The intern Daryl does. He absolutely loves it. Why not take that outdoor living space? Why not take that main cave area and take it to the next level? You got to go visit my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated. Guess what? Every Wednesday, that's today. Visit lmgelite.com or simply stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot, Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Astros winners last night, what I call the classic Kevin Foote victory, 3-1. to one. Five different pitchers come in in relief. Each pitch and inning a piece. Don't give up a run combined. Stroh's pitching staff, that rotation, that bullpen is super nice. Stroh's have now won three in a row. They'll be looking for the sweep this afternoon. They're in Oakland. You can listen to the game live right here on the game. First pitch set for 237 on your home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. It's Wednesday That means it's time for us to unveil the foodie poll question of the week. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it's a good one. It's the poll question of the day. Cajun Heartland State Fair is back. I'll be going tonight, taking the little one. Also has some friends coming in out of town. My buddy's originally from the Bayou Chico area. He's coming into town. He now lives in Indiana, so we're all going to go to the fair together. He has two little ones. It'll be an experience like none other. I should be nice and ragged in the morning. By the way, heads up. So, (laughs) just letting y'all know. (laughs) That's how that's going to work. But, you love riding the rides at the fair, right? You love doing the carnival games. But a lot of you, your jam is what snack are you going to get at the fair? 
That's our foodie poll question of the week. Our poll question of the day. What is your favorite snack at the fair? Is it a corn dog? Classic. Is it funnel cake? Watch out now. Is it a fried cookie or candy? Let me break that down for you. It's going to change your life. Fried cookie, fried candy in particular. Fried Oreos are a big, fair hit. I enjoy them. But deep frying like a Snickers or a Milky Way. Now, after you eat one of those bad boys, go ahead and knock off about 18 months on your life. Done. So you're going to enjoy that delicious deep fried candy bar. But just know that it's going to take about 18 months off your life on the back end. So as long as you're okay with that, get after it. That should be the disclaimer. But the first time I had one, I was like, nah, man. Nah, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. What do you mean deep fried candy bar? What is this? What is this about? Then I had it, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. It was delightful. It was delightful. Delicious. And so fattening, you have no idea. So, is it corn dog? Is it funnel cake? Is it fried cookie or candy? Because now you can deep fry anything. Take your favorite snack food and then they deep fry it now at the fair. Or is it cotton candy, the old classic? Now, I can tell you this. Tonight, when we go to the Cajun Heartland State Fair, the fam, The wife is going to want a funnel cake. The kid is going to want to share that funnel cake. And mom and daughter are also going to want cotton candy. Every time. We go to the circus, want cotton candy. Go to the Harlem Globetrotters, want cotton candy. The daughter loves the cotton candy. I'm I'm always been kind of indifferent about cotton candy. I'm like, yeah, I don't hate it. But I never wake up one day and going, man, I need to give me some cotton candy. It's just not my jam. Now, funnel cake, watch out now. Watch out now. I'm just saying. Just saying. If you're taking too long on the line to try to make a decision to get the fair snacks, the Parch family may straight up body you right there in the line. Get Get out of the way. Funnel cake time. We enjoy funnel cake so much. When our daughter has fundraisers for dancing or for school and they sell the food and they you can buy the mixture to make your own funnel cake, we make our own funnel cake. Just saying. So what's your favorite snack at the fair? That's our foodie poll question of the week, our poll question of the day. Right now, leading the vote, 59% of you say funnel cake. a piece say fried cookie slash candy or corn dog. And 5% of you say cotton candy. JPK the OD says, Cardi food, is there anything better? But if it's a Renaissance festival or a state fair, you got to go with the smoked turkey leg. Nothing makes you feel like the king of your domain, like strutting through the fairgrounds, chowing down on a turkey leg. (laughs) Hashtag comes with its own handle. 
Oh, outstanding. But is a turkey leg a snack? Eh, turkey leg is massive. Funnel cake, dessert, snack. Cotton candy, snack. Corn dog, snack. Turkey leg? Big, ginormous turkey leg? Wouldn't that be more like a meal? I'm just saying. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Just saying. Salty Steve says, for the most part, fair food seems like a great idea while you're at the fair. The next day, your stomach, your scale, and a prominent bathroom fixture may not think so. Hashtag hump day humor. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) John Paul Cajun Daddy says, mmm, funnel cakes, it's been so long and sorry. The ones at Cajun Field just don't seem right. There we go. Poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. Comment on Facebook and Twitter. Leave your thoughts on both of those. You want to go with the humorous take like Salty Steve did? By all means. You want to bring another dish to the table? That's JPK, the OD's thing. That's what he does, by the way. Anytime we have, we can have a poll question tomorrow. Is the sky blue? Yes or no? And JPK, the OD, would bring in somehow making it purple as an option. That's why we love him. Because he's thinking outside the box. Plus, he shares all his food photos with us. (laughs) So keep voting on the poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What's your favorite snack at the fair? Is it a corn dog? Is it funnel cake? Is it a fried cookie or fried candy? Or is it cotton candy? The old standby. Go vote. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. You can also give us a call on the game hotline. It is open. Don't forget, we got two great guests for you, but they're in the 8 o'clock hour. So if you want to get your phone calls in, maybe throw your hat in the ring to be the game changer of the week. Boy, you got to call the hotline. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. When we return here on the RP3 and the company, I got plenty of company today. I got the producer extraordinary and an intern who's trying to be extraordinary. Today may be that day he takes that next step. When we come back, Raging Cajuns baseball, big deal. Regional for the first time since 2016. We'll talk a little bit more about that and hear from the young man who helped make that happen for Matt Deggs' team. That's coming up next. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game is turning 10 years old. And we're inviting you to come hang with us for the celebration of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station for a decade. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. That's Wednesday, June the 22nd at B-Dubs on Ambassador Caffrey. There's going to be delicious wings, amazing door prizes like a free round of golf, 
Astros tickets, station swag, and more. You can win by just showing up to be part of the party. And of course, in addition to the delicious wings, beverages, and door prizes, all your favorite personalities from 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles will be there. Yours truly, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, Kevin Foote, James Mesh, Matt Miguez, they'll be doing their show live from B-Dubs following the completion of Astros baseball that day. So around 5 o'clock from 5 to 7, special time of crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. The blonde bomber, Jordy Holberg, will be making an appearance. What? And maybe former producer extraordinaire Louis Prejean will stop by. <laughs> I got the RSVP, just saying. You want to come and hang out with us. You helped us become Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You did. And we want you to come celebrate with us for us reaching a milestone of being on the air for a full decade. Once again, the game birthday bash. Returning 10 is going to be at B-Dubs on Ambassador Caffrey on June 22nd, starting at 5 o'clock. So come join us for some fun for the game's 10th birthday bash. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What's your favorite snack at the fair? Is it the corn dog? Is it funnel cake? Is it fried cookie slash candy? Or is it the old standby cotton candy? Jude Miller has commented on the book of face. Says funnel cake for the win. Keep voting. Keep leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Right now, though, let's talk a little Raging Cajuns baseball. They were on the outside looking in, heading into the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. No other way to say it. They were a bubble team for a little while, but then being swept by Texas State in the regular season on the road in San Marcos, and then losing a game to Little Rock in that final series, pretty much eliminated any chance the Cajuns had at earning an at-large bid to an NCAA regional. So they had to win their conference tournament. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that's exactly what they went out and did. Delayed by weather. Swapped from double elimination to single elimination. And they got the job done. They first whooped up on their arch rival, South Alabama. In the quarters, semis, they took down Texas State, the regular season champ, the one seed, the team that had swept them during the regular season, beat them after being down two to nothing in that ballgame. And then came the championship game. NCAA regional bid on the line. Down 5 nothing to Georgia Southern. A team so good that they're actually hosting a regional. They earned the 16 national seed. They come back and win that game in dramatic fashion to win their first conference tournament since 2016 and punch their ticket to an NCAA regional for the first time since 2016. And they did it all in Matt Deggs' third year at the helm. And winning the Sun Belt, which this program hadn't done in a minute, is a big deal. Not only is it a big deal for the Raging Cajun fans, but it's a big deal for the players. And Tyler Robertson talked about how much it meant and what it was like for them to go out there and win the Sun Belt Conference tournament title. 
It was a great time. I mean, being able to see like family and friends I haven't seen for a while, and then to get to do that in front of them because they don't get to come sometimes to make a seven-hour drive to Louisiana. So it was awesome. Something I'll never forget. Yeah. I mean, especially guys that play at Raging Cajuns. It's not as if they don't send guys to the show because they do. But in college baseball, the majority of the guys that are on the roster are never going to play in the show. There's not. So their goals are a little bit different than, say, the other sports. Where they go, winning a conference championship means something. It means a little bit more. And it means a lot to this group because they lost Tony a couple years ago, right? Then they had a season wiped out due to COVID. They've had their struggles. And now to be back in a regional after winning the conference tournament is a big deal. Now, of course, there was plenty of rumors of where the Raging Cajuns were going to be going for their regional, right? You had D1 Baseball and Baseball America both project that the Hattiesburg would be the site of three teams from Louisiana, with LSU being the two seed, the Cajuns being the third, and Southeast Louisiana being the fourth. Ended up not being that way. The four Louisiana teams were actually split up into four different regionals. Southeastern over in Auburn. LSU did go to Hattiesburg. They're the two seed. La Tech, the two seed in the Austin regional. Watch out, Longhorns. And then the Cajuns were shipped west. Going to College Station, Texas A&M, great story this year. This is a team, if you remember, didn't even make the SEC tournament a year ago. They were that bad, they didn't even qualify for their own conference tournament. A year later, Texas A&M is hosting a regional, a top 10 national seed. The Cajun players were asked, while they were sitting there watching live at Pete's, patiently waiting, to see where they were going to go. And what was the first thought that popped in Tyler Robertson's head about seeing that College Station was their location for their regional? Big boy baseball, but we're excited for it. It's something like we know we got to do to get to a Super, get to Omaha. So I'm excited for it, and it should be a great time. You You love that. He didn't even hesitate. We're sitting there in the back room, and Pete's doing the interviews, and... He didn't even hesitate at big boy baseball, like automatically. Like they're they fully understand what's at stake here. They fully understand what the level of competition is they're about to face. And Austin Perrin was also asked, you know, to give his initial thoughts when it popped up on the television screen, College Station Regional, and then Louisiana Raging Cajuns were thrown up there. Ball four. But uh, no, I mean, we're going to open up with TCU. We played those guys last year. We know they're really good. They can pitch, they can hit. Oral Roberts, they're really good. They're a smaller name, but we know they can play. And AM, that's their AM. So we're going to go there and play our game, bunt, steal, play fast. They're not overlooking anybody in that regional. And if you remember, they're going to play TCU on Friday. That won't be until 7 o'clock. Raging Cajuns, Horned Frogs battling out. And that'll be the second game of the College Station Regional because Texas A&M chose to play the early game, which was surprising. They're going to play the early game against Oral Roberts. 
TCU and the Cajuns faced off a year ago. Don't forget that. Three games set during the regular season, and the Cajuns won game one. But then TCU kind of flexed up and said, okay, we're taking the next two games. And the other challenging thing here for the Cajuns is not only are they facing a team like TCU, TCU is your regular season champ in the Big 12. They just didn't win their tournament championship. They won the regular season championship. So this is not a team that, oh, barely made in. This is a team that won its regular season title. Like, if you're Texas A&M, you're not happy that TCU's in your regional because they present a legitimate threat of winning the regional. They have great baseball tradition at TCU as well. Immense challenge right off the bat for the Cajuns. They're going to be tested. They don't get one of those easier games because they are the three seed. Once again, they had to play their way into a regional, and they're going to have to face some tough competition. And Robertson was asked, you know, what did he remember about facing off with the Horned Frogs a year ago? I remember, I mean, they're obviously a great team. They're going to have some good, very good arms. You just can't make mistakes against them. And, like, just got to play top-notch baseball the whole time. Can't give them anything. So they got the right mindset. And I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again. Talking to the guys, they talked about the experience of winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They, they shared their thoughts about the regional and everything like that. And look, it was a bit of a celebratory mood there at Pete's. It was. But when we started asking them questions, waited about 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes after it was revealed that the Cajuns were going to College Station. And then when we started talking to them, they already had flipped a switch. Because as soon as they got done talking to us, Matt Deggs had them, they were, they were gone. We walked out, there was not a single Cajun player left. They were gone. Back to work. Yeah, it's great. We celebrated. We won the conference tournament. We're going to a regional. Cameras are here. Great. All right, guys, time to go. And they all they all sounded that way. They very much take the personality on of their head coach. But the whole experience, though, even though they're going to be playing in a pressured situation in their first regional since 2016. It is a special moment, and Austin Perrin, he spoke about just how special this whole season has been. I've had a lot of people reach out to me. It, it, you can't describe it. It's, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. You know, our 36 winners, the conference championship, 4-36 is the inning out, like, I don't know. You just can't talk about it. I texted Justin Robichaud after the game, and I was like, I don't even know what to say, man. Like, this is awesome. Like, this is for you and your family. Like, your dad meant the world to us, and we still talk about him every day. Like, it's for you guys. So it's a special season. Breakthrough season. I felt like the Cajuns were maybe a year early because I don't count Deggs's first year, really. Only, what, 17 games? Then it gets scrapped because of COVID. So really, his first two seasons are really one season, if you want to look at it in the grand scheme of things. But here we are, technically year number three, won a conference tournament, going to an NCAA regional. They're a little ahead of schedule, I guess is what I'm saying. Cajuns head to College Station for their NCAA regional once again. Texas a and the one seed there. 
TCU, your regular season champ out of the Big 12. They're the two seed. Cajuns are the three seed, and Oral Roberts is the four seed. Cajuns will begin action 7 o'clock on Friday, this Friday, when they take on TCU in their opening game of the College Station region. We got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day and wrap up hour number one here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Poll question of the day, foodie. Poll question of the week. It's a good one. In honor of the Cajun Heartland State Fair being back and up and running and better than ever, what is your favorite snack at the fair? doesn't have to be just the Cajun Heartland State Fair. It can be any fair. Fair food is a big part of the fair experience in addition to the carnival games and the rides. So we asked you, what's your favorite snack at the fair? And right now, leading the vote, 68% of you say funnel cake, 14% 14% say corn dog, 14% say fried cookie slash candy. 4% of you say the old standby of cotton candy. JPK the OD says it's a snack because that's all you're left with after your family all pulls a piece off, even though they didn't want one. It's just like when you're the only one at the table that orders fries. That's a great friend's reference. Joey doesn't share food. <laughs> Heart on Twitter says deep fried Oreos. Those are good. I didn't think those would be good the first time I tried them, but I was surprised just how tasty a good old deep fried Oreo is. It's very surprising. I was very surprised by it. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Leave them, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Let's not get sideways, people. Okay? Let's not get funny with it. Just keep it clean. Don't go crazy. Martin on the Facebook says, give me the deep fried Oreos all day. And good news, five names. The NBA playoffs will be done in a couple weeks since you don't like NBA basketball. Wow. Wow. Why are we bringing up old stuff, Martin? What's up with that, bud? I'm going to like your comment, but why are you bringing up old stuff? Why are you bringing up old stuff, bud? Come on now. What's going on there? What's going on, bud? We're having a good day. It's a foodie poll question of the week. And you got to bring up old stuff? Just because Five Names isn't a huge fan of the association? You know? I mean, we can make jokes. We could do jokes all day long. I mean, I think Martin's a Dallas Cowboy fan. I mean, that's a joke in itself, right? Last time, you know... I mean, when's the last time Martin watched the Cowboys win a Super Bowl on his VHS tape that he has at his mom's house? I mean, come on. We can do this all day, Martin. And I say that with love because my team, the Washington football team slash commander slash formerly known as Redskins, have not won a Super Bowl even before the Cowboys. So not to fear, bud. Not to fear. (laughs) We got to take a timeout. That's going to do it for hour number one. Woo! Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is coming up. 
We'll take your phone calls. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. We've had a good start to today's show. Astros got themselves a hard-fought victory yesterday, 3-1 to one over the Oakland Athletics. That means they've won the series. They'll be going for the sweep this afternoon. And what the big thing that stands out to me about this team is what has stood out to me since the beginning of the season. It's its pitching. The pitching is excellent. It's just not Justin Verlander. Obviously, we focus on Verlander because of his accomplishments, because of the type of player he is, the caliber of player he is, rather. But the rest of the pitching staff is really, really good. And yesterday is a perfect example of the starting pitching only lasts four innings. And Dusty pulls Christian Javier out of the game after four innings. He only gave up one run, so it wasn't a big deal, right? He wasn't having a bad performance. It was a short day for the young man. And then Dusty calls on not one, not two, but five different relief pitchers to come into the game. Each one pitches an inning. They only give up four hits in five innings. No runs. When you have that in your back pocket, where you can pull out and say, you know what? My starter does not need to go six innings today. He can only go four, and we still got this, and we can still win a tight game because I have the utmost confidence in my bullpen to come in and shut down the opposition. That's a huge advantage that most teams do not have, do not possess in Major League Baseball. They just don't. They just don't. They just don't have it. You have Verlander to anchor your rotation, your frontline starter. You got Jose Akiti. You have Garcia. You have Valdez. You have Javier. You have four other guys that you can count on as part of your rotation. Right now, they got a five-man rotation because Jake Odorizzi is out. Once he comes back, that gives you six. Once Lance McCullers Jr. comes back sometimes this season, that gives you seven. They're that deep with the rotation. And a lot of times, if you're that deep with the rotation, you're spending all your money on the rotation, right? And you haven't invested in your bullpen. But that's not the case here for the Shroves. Not only are they that deep with their rotation, they also are deep in their bullpen. 
We know Presley's the guy that closes the door for them, but they have a slew of other guys that can come in and eat innings and get batters out in different ways. That's a huge advantage for Dusty Baker. Any game he rolls up in on, he knows if it doesn't work, if his guy on the bump to start the game doesn't have it that day, he can turn to anyone in the bullpen. And that's going to be a huge advantage this season, and it's going to be even bigger come the postseason. Astros will look for the sweep this afternoon. 237 first pitch from Oakland Coliseum. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. You're home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. LSU, UL, southeastern Louisiana, and of course, Louisiana Tech gear up for regional play this coming weekend. Southeastern Louisiana got the four seed. They're heading to Auburn to be part of the Auburn Regional. Auburn, of course, is your host. That regional is kind of all over the place. Don't like Southeastern's chances, slew's chances, if you will, to win that regional. But they're in an NCAA regional for the first time in a long time, since 2014. I'm sorry, since 2016, I do believe. They won the Southland Conference Tournament to punch their ticket. They're going to be over in Auburn. LSU is going to be over in Hattiesburg. Southern Miss is a good ball club. Let's get that. Let's clear that up right now. Southern Miss took two or three from La Tech. Southern Miss took two or three from UL. Southern Miss beat Alabama, beat Ole Miss, and beat Mississippi State. Tech, UL, and Ole Miss are all in NCAA regionals. My big question mark for the Golden Eagles in Hattiesburg is how are they playing right now? Because they hosted the conference tournament and they did not do well. They lost two of their four games, both of them to U2SA, UTSA rather. Reset. There we go. Sometimes you got to bang the side of the computer to get to work. So they lost two of their four games all to the Roadrunners. Why? Is that a cause for concern? Southern Miss had a great season. Don't get me wrong there. They had a great season. Are they going to be able to go toe-to-toe with LSU? And then your big concern for LSU is, okay, you know you can get a great outing out of Hilliard, and the lineup can rake, and you're getting Jacob Berry back. They rested him for the SEC tournament to have him for a regional. Kay Doty will be back. Are they going to have to use Gorilla Ball to win these games? Are they going to have to beat Southern Miss like 12 to 8 or 12 to 10? We'll have to see. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Tech is over in the Austin Regional. They're the two seed, the Bulldogs are. They're a good team. They're a very good team. And Texas is flawed. They're not a dominant Longhorns team like we've seen in years past. They're going to be the favorite to win their regional. They're the host, obviously. But don't be surprised if Louisiana Tech wins that regional. And, of course, the Raging Cajuns. They're headed to College Station. Texas A&M is your regional host there. And the Cajuns, man, they're going to have their hands full. They just are. They got to take on TCU on Friday night in the opening game. That's the 2-3 matchup. Horn Frogs are the 2 seed. They're the regular season champs out of the Big 12. 
And then, of course, A&M is your regional host. The only thing that maybe helps the Cajuns is this. A&M was the, one of the worst teams in the SEC last year, didn't even make their own conference tournament. This is all new for them. They've done a great job, great coaching. Their coaches have been there and done that. That's a big reason why they've d- had such a great turnaround. The coaches know how to be there. Do the guys on that team know how to handle hosting a regional and the pressure that comes with that? Because there is a little pressure that comes with hosting a regional. That's the only thing. But for the Cajuns, you got to win the first game. You have to beat TCU straight up on Friday. First pitch at 7 o'clock from College Station. Right now, let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, bald and beautiful. And how you doing this morning? I'm doing good, bud. What's up? Uh, I heard you talking about my Dallas Cowboys and... My response to that is, there's always next year. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Oh, you're I know you're already gonna, preparing yourself uh, for I, next year? And, and, and I, laugh, I, I laugh even harder than Jules does when, when our Red Sox lose, when my Cowboys lose, because so, they find the stupidest ways to lose. Like, they'll probably trip over their own shoelace, probably pull a, a Sanchez this year and lose in the playoffs. But, uh uh, as long as, like, I'm going to say it like this. As long as we finish ahead of the Washington three names, Commanders, Deadskins, whatever you want to call them these days, I consider that a successful season. And as, and uh, at least I ain't going to have to watch um, Carson Wentz uh, as my quarterback this year. Oh, so that's man, all I bud, really have to bud, say about bud, that, you know. But I'm going to allow it because I feel the same way. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I kind of hate my team. I, was, I hate my own team. You absolutely read my mind. I was watching our last Super Bowl we won uh, back in the day on uh, NFL's greatest films like with Nick Sable or whatever that guy's name was. Steve Sable, and, yeah. Uh, yes, sir. And uh, But at least I ain't got to pull out the projector screen to watch our last Super Bowl like, like you do after. With, the, with your Washington commanders. And that's all I have to say. And, uh, we them boys and Mark, go, go Mark, Red Sox. I, I, got, I got a question. But I got a question for you, bud. I got a question. You ready for it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. I, I, I need some more elaboration on the best fair food from you, bud. Give it to me. Uh, well, I said fried Orioles, but we, we, we're spoiled down here in the south. And uh, we also got the good stuff. The, Give me, give me boudin all day long, you know, because we, we, we get to have boudin down here when the fair comes down here. But, yeah, give me, you can't beat the boudin uh, down down here. But, uh, I mean, it's a very close race between the fried Oreos and the, and the funnel cakes, man. That's, that'd probably be my three go-tos. But, uh, there you go, brother. There you go. Appreciate the phone call, Mark. And like I told five names, hang in there. Uh, my Warriors are gonna do our favor in the the NBA playoffs really, really fast and beat um, uh, Matt Miguez's uh, Boston Celtics and ain't even gonna be close. So it's gonna be a blowout. But have a good one, buddy. You too, brother. You too, brother. Love Martin. I appreciate him calling. I, I, every time he calls, it's always it's always a good one. I think that's a candidate for Game Changer of the Week just because he confused Mesh and Miguez together. That is hilarious to me. 
And shout out to Martin for that. Just for that alone. Because Miguez is going to be like, how did he know that? Oh, why did he confuse me with James? Well, you guys co-host a show, of course. Of course. Second of all, it's not going to end soon, Martin. Because the NBA Finals have like three days off in between every game. It's going to take them three weeks to get the finals done if it goes long. Like, it's going to take three weeks. First game is Thursday night. Game two is not until Sunday. Game three is not until Wednesday. So they're having two days off in between each game. It's going to take three weeks if this is a six or seven game series, man. So unnecessary, NBA. So unnecessary. Just, I don't understand. Your whole playoffs are built the other way, and then you're just like, nah, we're just going to throw that out the window. <laughs> Let's give everyone two full days off in between games. Oof. That gets a woof. Big old woof. Ridiculous. NBA Finals is going to take forever to get done. Uh, keep those phone calls coming. Game hotline is open all hour. We got two guests, but they're both lined up in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll have Dan Favalli on from Bleacher Report at 8 o'clock to preview those NBA Finals. That's going to take three weeks to complete. And then we'll have Teddy Allen, our buddy from Louisiana Tech, that's going to join us to help us give his insight on just how good the Bulldogs are and if they have a chance at the Austin Regional. So those are our two guests. They're both coming up in hour number three, the 8 o'clock hour. So if you want to get your phone calls in, now is the time to do so. You want to talk Houston Astros? You want to talk NCAA baseball regionals? Or you want to talk what's your go-to fair food, your fair snack? Let us know. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We got to take a timeout here on RP3 and Company. But we got more coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. P3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Who wants to win Houston Astro tickets? Hmm? I know what you're thinking. RP3, love the Houston Astros. I would love to go see an Astros game, but I can't swing it. Got kid in camp this summer. That's taking money out of my back pocket. Gas prices are too high. I got a lot going on. I'd love to go see a game, but I would need some help. Yeah, I could probably swing the gas prices, but I can't spend the night, which means I'm having to do the old cannonball run, go over to Houston, come right back. Not to worry. Your friends at the game, we want to hook you up with our latest Houston Astros weekend getaway. This is what it is. We got four tickets 
for the Strohs versus the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June 18th. Southsiders come to town, and we want you to be there. Four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and guess what? Hotel accommodations. We're going to hook you up with the room. We're going to hook you up with four tickets. We're going to give you a tour of the ballpark. You just need to get your happy self over to H-Town to watch the Strohs take on the White Sox on Saturday, June 18th. There you go. You want to see the Strohs in person? Then you got to become a member of our clubhouse. Go sign up today. Go visit the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Click on the Clubhouse Rewards tab. Sign up today to become a member. Just by becoming a member, you earn 500 points right off the bat. You use those points for opportunities to win free stuff like our latest Houston Astros weekend getaway. Once again, four tickets, tour the ballpark, and hotel accommodations for White Sox Astros on Saturday, June 18th. Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget Houston Astros Day Baseball today. No Jordy Holberg show. No crunch time with Miguez and Mesh either. We got Astros Day Baseball from Oakland, California. Astros are going to be looking for the sweep after winning last night's game 3-1. to one. First pitch, 237. 237 first pitch. Pre-game will start shortly after 2 o'clock, around 2.03, 2.04 to be exact. Strohs, Athletics, live from the Bay. You listen to it live right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Let's talk a little bit more about NCAA regionals. I find all four to be fascinating for the Louisiana teams. And we'll start off with the Cajuns. For me, they have to win game number one. If they want any chance whatsoever, they can't put themselves behind the eight ball. TCU is going to be a problem. Now, some discussion is being had that TCU may not have their head coach for Friday's game because he may be facing a suspension based on something that occurred during the Big 12 tournament. That being said, you have to beat TCU. You have to win that 2-3 matchup because now you're at advantage. And now you'll have a puncher's chance in that regional. So for me, Matt Deggs' team has to win the first game against TCU. Once again, first pitch Friday at 7. Friday at 7 o'clock. Now, They'll have a chance after that. Louisiana Tech, meanwhile, I like their chances a lot to win the Austin Regional. Texas should still be favored because the Longhorns are the national seed. The Longhorns are the team that's playing as host, and they have all that tradition, right? Them, LSU, and Miami in the 80s and 90s kind of dominated, along with Cal State Fullerton, dominated college baseball Longhorns have a ton of tradition it's going to be a great home crowd there for Texas there in Austin their fans come out in a big way but is this a vintage Texas Longhorns team they're 42 and 19 the record says yes 
The record tells you this is a really good team, and they're 24 and 7 at home. So they're tough to beat there in Austin. But when I look at their schedule, and I go, okay. Now, they beat Tennessee early in the season there at the Shriners Hospitals College Classic. And that was early in the season that they won. And they beat Tennessee, who's the number one team in the country overall. And they beat them fairly handily 7-2. to two. And then they turn around and beat LSU 6-1. to one. And they started off the season, I'm looking at it right now. Now they beat up on poor Rice and Texas A&M Corpus Christi early on. So, you know. They won their first 11 games of the season. They lost a game... 5-1 to one to UCLA at the Shriners Classic, and that was the first time you said, ah, okay, well, that's just a, a bad outing for the Longhorns. But they also split a doubleheader with Texas State. Yeah, that's right. Out of the Sun Belt, the Bobcats beat them. They lost two of three to a bad South Carolina team. I'm talking a bad South Carolina team. They lost two of three to Texas Tech, who's over there in the Statesboro Regional as the three seed. So nothing really to kind of, you know, hang your head about. They lost to TCU. They lost two of three to Kansas State. They lost to Air Force. They got swept by Oklahoma State, who obviously they're hosting a regional in Stillwater, so they're good this year. But my point is that this is not a vintage Texas team, right? This is not a overly dominant Texas team this year. They can be had. So that's why I like Tech's chances in that regional. As for LSU, you got to love LSU's chances in the Hattiesburg regional, right? The level of competition is not what they're used to facing, what they've been facing. But don't count out Southern Miss to give LSU problems. Regionals, funny things happen every year, and Southern Miss is hosting for a reason. The Golden Eagles beat Alabama this year. They beat Ole Miss this year. They beat Mississippi State. They took two or three from the Raging Cajuns. They took two or three from Louisiana Tech. This is a really good ball club. My concerns for Southern Miss is the fact that they played poorly in the Conference USA tournament there in Hattiesburg where they dropped two of their four games, were eliminated early, and were eliminated by UTSA, the Roadrunners. So you look at Southern Miss's overall body of work and you're impressed by it, but then you go, what happened there at the conference tournament? And that would give you pause if you believe that Southern Miss could possibly go toe-to-toe with LSU. The concerns for LSU are well-documented. Do they have enough pitching? Or are they going to have to do what Ron Higgins suggested yesterday, our friend from Tiger Details, that they are going to have to go old-fashioned gorilla ball and just out-slug the competition? They'll start off their regional play against Kinsall State. That'll be at 6 o'clock on Friday. Once again, Southern Miss opted to play the early game. They're playing Army earlier in the day, a little afternoon. So, 
LSU will take on Kansas State. And then if they win, they'll obviously face Southern Miss on Saturday. So that's my big concern. LSU should win this. They should win this regional. But will they have enough pitching to get through it? They should. But you just don't know. You just don't ever know. Not with this year's LSU team, you don't. And, of course, Southeastern Louisiana, congratulations on a great season. You won the conference tournament for the first time since 2014. You're in a regional for the first time in about five years. It's great. I don't give the Lions any chance to get out of the Auburn Regional. Even though I think the Auburn Regional is up for grabs, I just don't think, I just don't think Southeastern Louisiana is the team to take advantage of that. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, man, you're talking regionals and college baseball and stuff, man. That gets me going. Like like Palermo uh, mentioned last night on uh, Tiger Rag that this is his favorite weekend of the year. Yeah. I say, I say these next two weekends are probably some of the best of the year. We got uh, softball, World Series starting tomorrow, regional starting Friday, going into next weekend. Man, this is great. Uh, it's a great time of year, brother. You make, make no bones about it. Hey. Imagine how hopping it's going to be over there in Hattiesburg. LSU fans, Southern Miss fans. Now imagine if the Cajuns would have been over there too. Man, that'd be a hopping place, Ray. It would have been, brother. It would have been. I don't see why they couldn't couldn't have swapped out Kennesaw uh, and uh, the Cajuns and let the Cajuns play over there in Hattiesburg. But I'm satisfied with the regionals. I, I think it's going to be a – a good next couple of weekends. I, I can't wait to watch it all. Who do you like, up. Bud? Let me ask you this: who, who do you like to come out? I mean, but obviously you like LSU's chances to win the Hattiesburg Regional. Or do you like any of the other teams' chances to win those regionals as well? From the state of from the state of Louisiana, the Cajuns have a tough road. They got to get past TCU now. Yeah, TCU is like you said; they haven't been barn burners as of late, but they're still a good ball club. They. They're in the regional for a reason. La Tech, mm, it depends on what uh, what Texas team shows up. They, Texas played Oklahoma pretty good. Right, uh, that and that's the big question mark about Texas, right? You don't know which team. Is it going to be the team that you know was swept by Oklahoma State and lost to some teams they probably shouldn't have lost to, like Texas State, or is it going to be the team that looked really good against Oklahoma? I don't know. Texas. Well, it's just like LSU, right? Yeah. I mean, what team is going to show up, you know? That's the question mark behind LSU. Absolutely, brother, if absolutely. Pitching, if their pitching stands up, they got a good shot at winning theirs, going on to the Supers now. Making it to Omaha, that's a different story, Ray. Different. Totally different, brother. Tomorrow, Ray. Oklahoma uh, City, the girls get started. That's right, bud. Oklahoma. Women's College World Series. Who do you like in that, brother? I mean, Oklahoma. How can you not like <laughs> Oklahoma? I mean, oh, that's the easy Oklahoma, answer. All right, bud. Else, give you know? me, give me a team not named Oklahoma that could win the Women's College World Series. Oh, you can't. <laughs> Florida, Florida, maybe. Ah, uh, Florida's they're hot right now, SEC, right? Yeah, they're the last SEC uh, team standing, so. That's right, brother. That's right. Doug, I appreciate your phone call, bud. I got to hit a timeout, but thank you so much, bud. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Ray. 
That's right. Women's College World Series begins this week. Can anybody beat Oklahoma? <laughs> I mean, that's seemingly the question we ask ourselves every year around this time for the Women's College World Series. Can anyone beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma City? Usually not. <laughs> Usually no one really can. That's few and far between. Let's take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to shift gears a little bit, going to talk a little New Orleans Saints football with you, go to a deeper dive in what Jameis Winston had to say about his recovery and about gearing up for the upcoming season as the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. That's coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, today is going to be the day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse. That's right. Not only is it free to join, and it's simple to join too. Very simple. You will get the chance, once you become a member, to win tremendous free gifts. You just have to sign up. And here's the deal. You sign up, we're going to give you 500 points as a member. 500 right off the bat. And you can use those points as your currency, so to speak, to win free stuff. And what kind of free stuff am I talking about? What about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse? That's right. Mouth-watering steaks, cooked to perfection, tremendous sides, and so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. It's free to do so. It's easy to do so. And once you become a member of our clubhouse, you'll have the opportunity to enter to win free stuff like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. In honor of the Cajun Heartland State Fair, back up and running, packed to capacity. What is your favorite snack at the fair? What's your go-to? Like, if you could only buy one, you only got enough cash in your pocket to get one go-to snack in between the rides and the carnival games, what is it? Is it a corn dog? Classic. Is it funnel cake? Is it a fried cookie or fried candy? We're talking fried Snickers, deep fried Snickers or Milky Ways or deep fried Oreos. You pretty much can deep fry anything. I'm pretty sure we could go to the fair and deep fried cardboard and someone would buy it and eat it and like it. Or do you go with the classic staple of cotton candy? What's your favorite snack at the fair? 63% of you say it's funnel cake. 
19% say corn dog, 15% say fried cookie or candy, and only 3% of you say cotton candy. Only 3%. Cotton candy fans are, are crying right now as we speak. They're devastated. Devastated, I tell you. Devastated. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. I got to go with funnel cake, man. If I had to pick one, it's funnel cake. Don't get me wrong. Deep fried Oreos, delicious. Deep fried Milky Ways, also awesome. Corn dog, love corn dogs. Love corn dogs. But if I have to pick one fair food, like the go-to fair food, it's going to be funnel cake. It has to be the funnel cake. Thomas on Facebook says, I don't go to the fair. Last time I was there when I was a kid. But if I would go, I would get a funnel cake. See? Thomas doesn't even go to the fair anymore, but he still says, I would have to get the funnel cake. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, let's take a moment now to talk a little New Orleans Saints football, shall we? We touched on this a little bit on yesterday. Obviously, it's OTA time, voluntary workouts for the Saints. A lot of the stars, a lot of the bigger name guys are actually in attendance and are taking part in the voluntary workouts. You don't have to. Once again, it's voluntary for a reason. But one of them there, even though he's not fully recovered yet from his injury, from off-season rehab and surgery, is Jameis Winston. And he had a lot of things to say about that. Look, he's going to be your number one. He's going to be your QB one. Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, is the backup. Taysom Hill is now going to be out tight end doing whatever else they ask him to do. And Jameis Winston is fully taking on the role as starting quarterback and as one of the leaders on this year's Saints team. And he's got to be pretty happy right now, right? Because of the wide receiving room. He just does. You look at what they have now. Healthy Michael Thomas, who's still recovering from offseason surgery, but he's going to be back. They drafted Chris Olave. They brought back Callaway and Traquan Smith. And they bring home Jarvis Landry. So that wide receiving core that was a hindrance to this offense a year ago has vastly improved. And Winston gave his thoughts about just how talented and deep the wide receiving room is right now. One, always just the, aspira- the, the aspiration and the dreams of playing with Mike Thomas as dominant as a receiver that he was before he got injured. The addition with Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry is phenomenal. And also, man, you got guys like Marquez Callaway and TQ, uh, Traquan Smith, who are playing great football, right? And the competition in that room just went up another level. And, I mean, we ain't even talk about Deontay Harris. Just having him being, being in a role where we get to take hits off of him because now he doesn't have to play 55 plays he gets to play 30 plays on offense and be electric on special teams shout out to Jameis for still calling Deontay Hardy Deontay Harris love that but he's not wrong in his assessment right because now you don't have to have Deontay get all the wear and tear as a wide receiver you're gonna have Michael Thomas line up on the outside you're gonna have Chris Olave the rookie at Ohio State on the other outside Landry in the slot Those are going to be your top three wide receivers. And then it's going to be Traquan Smith. Marquez Callaway is going to be your number four, your number five options. You're going to have Taysom Hill and Adam Troutman at tight end. 
You can utilize both of those depending on the packages. You're going to have your running backs who all have the ability to catch coming out the backfield. You're not wrong. Now you can use Deontay Harris in a specialty role. Hey, you want to take the top off the defense, line him up, go four wide, bring him in on a package, and he can just be the burner to go down the, the sideline. And you're not going to be able to double-team him or do anything like that because you're going to have to double-team everybody else. So, not wrong. We heard yesterday from Alave about how he's developing a rapport with Jameis. And Jameis talked about the rookie out of Ohio State and what he brings to the table so far. Smooth as the other side of the pillow. Right, he's just really smooth. Uh, he can get in and out of uh, breaks uh, very well. Electric uh, and smart, man. He, he's a, he's a guy that's, that's always asking questions. He's a guy that that wants to wants to know like how do you want it, uh, and I and I really respect that. Uh, he's a he's a pro right now as a rookie, so uh, I'm excited to see that. My man used the old Stuart Scott. Just just phenomenal, phenomenal. You can see why they love him in that locker room. You know, from the outside, a lot of people, even a lot of Saints fans, bash on Jameis. They don't think he's the answer. I've heard so much talk in the last year about how he's going to fail and how he's a failure and how he's holding the franchise back. And it's it's odd to me because I don't know how you can make that proclamation after a few games. And you see how well the offense started to perform last year. After a couple games, he started to turn a corner leading the offense. And by the way, they did that without Michael Thomas. So people kind of are forgetting that in their argument. And Thomas is excited about working with Jameis and vice versa. They haven't been able to do that. You have an all-pro wide receiver, top five wide receiver in the National Football League, didn't play last year. I I, I don't get it. I I don't get it. But you can see and you can definitely tell why the guys in the locker room love Jameis and kind of rally around him. You know, last year was a huge challenge for this team. They didn't make the playoffs under Sean Payton in his final year at the helm of the Saints. Winston got injured, and then it was a rotation of Trevor Simeon at quarterback, Ian Book, Taysom Hill. They could never get the offense going. It was kind of putrid to watch. Let's be honest, the offensive line got banged up as well. And Winston talked about just how much of a challenge it was last year for him. Not not playing. The, the toughest part was, is definitely was watching watching uh, last season, uh, supporting from afar, and, and not being able to to, to go full flesh. Because I love I love working, but but I do embrace the process and I, and I love being resilient. So uh, I, I get a chance to do that. For God, you love hearing that because. You always want your quarterback to be one of the most competitive guys on the roster. The quarterback doesn't have to be the best player on the roster. It just doesn't. But you want him to be one of the most competitive guys on the roster. And it sounds like Winston has that all day long. There's no issue there. You know, another big question mark for the Saints is, What about Dennis Allen? How much different is this team going to be? And how much different is it going to be playing for a guy? They have different personalities. DA obviously comes from the defensive side of the football, longtime defensive coordinator for the Saints. You know he's well-respected and loved and held in high regard by those guys. But what about the offense? You know, he's not going to be running the offense. Pete Carmichael as the OC is going to be doing that. What do they think of DA? Or in particular, what does Winston think? think about his new head coach 
just commanding, man. Like I always knew that he was a great commander of the defense. Uh, but seeing what he brings to the team meeting room has been very exciting, uh, has been very encouraging uh, the way that he commands that room. And uh, I got a lot of respect for, for Coach. And, and I know that I knew that he was going to come with it just with the fire and the passion that he has on that defensive side of the ball. But seeing the true leader he is uh, among all these men, uh, both sides, offense, special teams, and defense, has been uh, really inspiring. Jameis Winston, since he arrived in New Orleans, has done all the right things has said all the right things, has become part of that locker room, has, is well-respected and well-liked by his teammates, and the front office believes in him. He's going to have every opportunity this season to succeed. This team nearly made the playoffs last year. Their roster got better. Expectations in a weekend NFC is for the Saints to be in the mix in the playoffs to win the division and to make a deep run. That's the expectation. And rightfully so. Look how they've built this team. You got Michael Thomas coming back. You added Chris Olave. You added Jarvis Landry in the receiving core. You're moving Taysom Hill over to tight end. You're improving the offensive line. You draft a guy in the first round. Hey, the defense is loaded even more so than it was a year ago. He's going to have every chance to succeed. My only thing, and I'm not a Saints fan, but my only thing to you, the Saints fan listening right now this morning, you got to give him the chance to succeed or fail. I, If he doesn't make it happen this year, if he stays healthy and the offense is mediocre and they can't get it done and Winston is a turnover machine like he was the last year he was in Tampa and he doesn't get the job done, then I'm on board for that. I just think you need to give him at least the chance to prove that he can succeed or fail. That's all. We got to take a timeout. Want to get those phone calls in last segment to do so here on RP3 and Company as we have two guests in hour number three. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Oh, it's the game's birthday, and this is your official invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. That's right, Wednesday, June 22nd. There's going to be delicious wings, amazing door prizes like Astro tickets, station swag, a round of golf, and more. And of course, all the personalities that you love, your favorites, and even the ones that you don't like, like yours truly, are going to be there from 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Myself, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, Kevin Foote, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the blonde bomber himself, Jordy Holberg, the intern, Daryl will be there as well. My man is trying to become extraordinary. Trying his best. He'll be there. And even maybe possibly the former producer extraordinaire, Louis Prejean, could be in the house as well. So come join us once again, Wednesday, June the 22nd. 
will be out there starting shortly before 5 o'clock. Miguez in Mesh with Crunch Time will be broadcasting live from the B-dubs at, uh, on Ambassador Caffrey. It's our birthday bash. We're celebrating 10 years old. Come join us on Wednesday, June the 22nd. Let's check in in the old poll question of the day. Where do we stand with it? Also, yes, as Steve said, Jameis, tell Jameis, it's cool as the other side of the pillow. <laughs> That's the actual Stuart Scott saying. But you got you, you know what it is? They love Jameis in that locker room. I'm telling you, when he says stuff like that and he misspeaks, that's the type of stuff that endears him in that that locker room. I'm telling you, they love him. And don't be surprised if he has a very good season. I would not be surprised if you see him throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns this year. As long as the turnovers are under like 13, I think they're a playoff team. That's just me, though. Poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What is your go-to snack when you go to the fair? Once again, Cajun Heartland State Fair is currently going on over the Cajun Dome. I'll be taking the little one tonight over there. It'll be a family outing. We asked you, what's your favorite go-to snack at the fair? Right now, 59% of you say funnel cake. 22% say corn dog. 14%, 14% say a fried cookie or candy. And 5% of you say the old standby of cotton candy is your go-to snack. Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company, has chimed in. Apple candies or candy apples, I've heard both names, kind of like five names. <laughs> Shout out to Darren. Darren, you're invited to the birthday bash if you're listening, D. You're the number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company. Clear the calendar, my man. Wednesday, June 22nd for the birthday bash. I'm just saying. We can't have a party without D. Just saying. Can't have it. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Hour number two is in the books. Hour number three, we're going to kick it off with Dan Favali of Bleacher Report talking NBA Finals. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number three has arrived here on RP3 and Company on this hump day edition of the show we're ringing in the month of june Whew, where is the year gone where has the year gone here we are final hour of today's show don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day it's our foodie poll question of the week we like to have fun with it we do we like to have fun with our foodie poll question and it's all about the fair cajun heartland state fair is up and running people are loving it and you know when you go to the fair in between the carnival games and the rides, you love to get the food, right? What's your go-to indulgent food for you when you go to the fair? That's our foodie poll question of the week. What's your favorite snack at the fair? 
Is it corn dog? Is it funnel cake? Is it a fried cookie or candy? Or is it cotton candy? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll update it throughout the rest of today's show. But right now, it's time for us to talk to someone who probably doesn't indulge in all that fattiness. He he keeps himself healthy. You have to when you cover the association. The marathon that that is helping us break down the NBA Finals is our good friend from the Bleacher Report, the one and only Mr. Dan Favalli. Dan, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. How are you doing? All right, bud, I got to ask you. Do you partake in any fair food whatsoever? Or are you like, no, I can't do that? Uh, I will. I will from time to time. Not too often, but it is something that I will indulge in. All right, bud. What, what's your go-to then? What's your go-to? Is, um, it, is it funnel cake? A, is it a fried Oreo? I'm a big fried Oreo guy. Or when I was, especially when I was younger, I was in love with churros as well. <laughs> nice. That's really nice. Nice. Good. Good answer, bud. Good answer. All right, let's get to what you actually get paid to do, and that's cover the association. Um, Explain this to me. I I feel like you can give some insight here. We have the playoffs structured the way they are, where there's minimal time off in between games. Yet we get to the finals, and it's going to take three weeks if the series goes six or seven games. Why is that? Why do they change the playoff format when we get to the finals? Is it just for television purposes, Dan, or is it to give the teams rest in between games? Uh, it's definitely both. They, I think they view rest as more important in the finals because you are dealing with more of a cross-country road trip looking at the matchups between the East and the Western Conference. Uh, it would be nice, though. Look, the postseason's already long, but it feels like we should be able to figure out a way to maybe bake some more off days into uh, the various other series because we saw a lot of teams, especially from the middle of the second round on, were, were really banged up. And I, I don't think that helped when we were looking at all those blowouts that we were watching. Yeah, a lot of blowouts. What do you attribute that to, Dan? I, I wanted to ask you about that because usually the, the, the NBA is so filled with parity. And we had a couple of great seven-game series to talk about, but a lot of those games were even blowouts in that regard. Why so many blowouts this NBA postseason? I don't know that there was one reason. It did feel like there were more of these injuries or injury management situations where, I mean, you look at Boston specifically, where Robert Williams was available on like a a game-to-game basis as he's dealing with a knee injury. Uh, Then there was Kyle Lowry was banged up in Miami. They were missing Tyler Hero. Jimmy Butler was banged up for a while. Um, And you, you were dealing with injuries and issues like that in the Western Conference. I also think the reliance on the three-point shot for a lot of teams it takes in variance into your performance. So one night, if you're going to hit 23 pointers versus another night where maybe you only hit, you know, six or seven, um, there's going to be a huge difference in the the number of points that you're scoring. And then I also just kind of think that there is a level of randomness um, in there as well. And so you have all those factors together. I think that really, um, you know, combined, uh, you look at them and that explains just why it felt like from the middle of the second round on, we were dealing with a bunch of single game blowouts. All right, bud, let's talk about this matchup between the Warriors and the Celtics. My first question to you is this. The Celtics have had to come back off of back-to-back seven-game series. They're banged up. They got guys that are injured or fighting through injuries. Do they have enough left in the tank to take on the Golden State Warriors? 
I think they do, and I think this time off that they're getting is going to be just absolutely huge for them because even they're, they're healthier guys who've been playing every other day. But you also just look at how Robert Williams III was moving in Game 7, even knowing that Marcus Smart has been playing banged up. I think that will help them out a ton. And you're not dealing with games uh, every other night in this series. You're going to have a little bit more time off. And so I think that that helps their recovery time. Uh, what the bigger issue might just be is that we have seen them, it feels like, peter out towards the end of games, in fourth quarters, even when they have the lead, where they all of a sudden slow their offense down to this crawl and they're unable to generate scoring opportunities consistently. If that happens against Golden State, uh, the Warriors' rotation is a little bit deeper and they're going to punch you in the mouth and, and take advantage of that. And so it's going to be very interesting to see if the Celtics can put together more 48-minute performances rather than these you know, 36- to 42-minute performances that we were seeing from them through the first three rounds. We're talking with Dan Favalli, Bleacher Report NBA reporter. He joins us here on RP3 and Company talking NBA Finals. I talked about a few months ago, Dan, that I felt like Jason Tatum was right on the outside of the top 10 in the league, uh, that he was close and that we are seeing him ascend to being one of the best players in the league. In your opinion, has he, during these playoffs, transformed himself and ascended into being a top 10 player right now in this league? You know, without going through it, uh, he, he has to be right there if he's not just absolutely in it. And I think some of the bigger things that we've seen, we've always known what he can do as a scorer, as a shooter, uh, even as a defender. I think he's had a lot of really good defensive moments in the playoffs. But the playmaking, it's been there all year, uh, and we've seen just how valuable it is during the, the playoffs for the Celtics, where when he's making quick decisions, even when he's off the ball and then catching the ball and then, and then immediately passing it, or he's throwing these passes that are more complicated than one pass away, it's not something that the defense can easily recover and, and contest. Um, that has been huge for Boston's offense in its own right. And we're looking at someone who I think, yes, there are times where a shot selection feels off or it doesn't feel like he's attacking the rim as much as he needs to, but we're looking at a, a, a young superstar who is one of the most complete players in the game right now. And the goal is always to have someone who can be the best player on a title team. Uh, Jason Tatum right now is the best player on a team that's in the NBA Finals. And so he's knocking on the door, um, quite literally, of, of that designation of being the best player on a title team. So I, I think it's absolutely fair to put him in the, the top ten as of right now. We talk about Tatum a lot. We talk about Marcus Smart a lot, obviously with him being Defensive Player of the Year. The guy that feels like we don't talk enough about is Jalen Brown. How good of a player is he, and how key is he going to be if the Celtics are going to win this series, Dan? Yeah, he's going to be monstrous. I think we're you're going to see him match up a lot with Clay Thompson at the other end, and that, given how much Clay Thompson moves off the ball and the havoc he creates without even having it, that's going to be mission critical to how well Boston performs. But then there's also Jalen Brown's offense. We know how important he is to, to Boston overall there, but we've seen sort of some stop and startness from him during the postseason. Um, his handle has been uh, looser this year, particularly in the postseason, than it was last. There have been some pretty bad turnovers. It feels like he might be more predictable on his drives. And just knowing that he hasn't made the, the same type of playmaking jump that, that Tatum has, it does make him a little bit easier to defend. That being said, when he is someone who's attacking, and we know what he can do as a shooter himself, and if he is protecting the ball, uh, you're talking about one of the best two-way players in basketball. So he is, you know, I think he's too good 
to be called an X factor since I steer clear of stars there, but he is certainly someone who can um, shift the tenor of the series one way or the other for Boston, depending on how he's playing, I think specifically on offense. We're talking with Dan Favalli, Bleacher Report, NBA reporter. He joins us here on RP3 and Company talking NBA Finals. Tell me about the job that this rookie head coach has done and has been able to get Boston over the hump and into the NBA Finals. Yeah, NBA Doka has been fantastic for them. They're In the middle of the season, they were below 500. People had written them off. There was the talk about should they trade uh, Jalen Brown because yeah. the Jason Tatum Jalen Brown core had grown stale. Uh, to get your players to buy in uh, to to just continue on when all that stuff is floating around to defend as well as they did after that, it, it's absolutely incredible. And they even made some—I don't want to say wholesale—but pretty material changes to the way that they're defending, especially when you look at how they've used Robert Williams III when he's been healthy. Uh, so to be able to do that and adjust during the middle of the season, um, that that's not easy. And to do it as a rookie head coach with a, with a core that, frankly, it hadn't changed a ton. They eventually made the Derek White trade, but before that, um, it hadn't changed all that much. And so there was the case he made that it had grown maybe a little bit stale. But to have that type of midseason turnaround and then to do what they've done in the playoffs where there have been some you know questionable moments when we look at their blown leads or certain fourth-quarter performances, but to get them here – Anyway, the fact that they've responded so well to losses during the playoffs, uh, it's just been a great job by Ime Adoka and his staff. Let's switch it over to Golden State. They're the old men here, right? They're the veteran Steve Kerr, multiple championships as a player, multiple championships as a head coach. Steph, Clay, Draymond, that core has been together. They're now healthy. How much is that experience going to play a role in this NBA Finals? I think it'll matter a great deal just because you're dealing with a Celtics core um, that's headlined by guys that haven't been there before, even if you're looking at the experience in Al Horford. They also know how to use the rest that they've been given um, during the middle of the series, but also now when they haven't played basketball basically in eternity by the postseason timeline standards. Um, And so I think that helps out a ton. And then they're also just maybe more keyed on things that they could try and when to try them as you adapt through throughout the finals, because you're also dealing with a rookie head coach in Ime Adoka. So it's just so new to Boston on so many levels. You look at Golden State, this is such a well-oiled machine. There's six NBA, final in, uh, six NBA finals in, in eight years. I do think that that matters, and that gives them a, a pretty clear-cut advantage o- over Boston. Andrew Wiggins has developed in the last few years in Golden State, in particular this year. Is he an X factor in this series? Yeah, you could certainly pinpoint him as one. Uh, he is someone that they've thrown against star wings, including Luka Doncic. And while Doncic was still um, getting his uh, in that conference finals matchup, Andrew Wiggins made life difficult on him. And they're going to ask him to do the same thing, I would imagine, with both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And if he's able to soak up reps against any one of those guys, it does change um, the way you defend and makes it easier so you don't have to consider, oh, does Draymond need to be focused on an individual matchup? And if he doesn't, um, he's able to still float around and, and disrupt the way that he's um, best suited to and really just anchor and, and direct the defense through that way. And then on offense, just to have someone who maybe he's not moving around a ton, maybe he's not doing enough on the ball, but he's reliably stretching the floor and is not someone that you want. You know, Boston wants to stash Al Horford or Robert Williams III on him. Um, Andrew Wiggins can make them pay if they decide to to help off 
of him to contest whatever Golden State's doing inside the arc with a Steph Curry or a Clay Thompson or even a, a Draymond Green. So he has developed himself into a really valuable um, and, and very nice complementary two-way player. And I think just on defense alone, we've seen how valuable he is to, to what Golden State wants to do in the postseason. All right, Dan, break it down for me. What's going to be the key to this series for Golden State to win, and what's going to be the key into this series for Boston to win? I think for Boston to win is that they're either going to have to figure out how to score in the half court more reliably, or you need to make sure that you're still living in transition, which isn't going to be easy, um, given how well that Golden State is at defending and getting back in transition, even after they commit turnovers. If, if you see Boston go through some of the lulls that they had against Miami. Uh, this is a series that could be over pretty quickly. For the Warriors, uh, I think it's going to be all about sort of lineup manipulation. Um, when are you going to play Gary Payton the second if he's healthy? Are you going to downsize it all? Can Kevon Looney still be that much of an asset on the, the offensive glass when Boston likes to play two bigs at once with the, the two Williamses or, or Al Horford? Um, and if you downsize, what does that look like? Is it the liquid death lineup with Jordan Poole? Are you maybe putting Otto Porter in the front court with Raymond Green? I expect to see a lot of different stuff um, for Steve Kerr to, to try. Maybe not something that's super new, um, but I would expect to see him maybe downside a little bit earlier than normal to see if that can create some more mismatches for Gold State against Boston's favorite lineups. All right, bud, give me your prediction and why. I think it's going to be – I was leaning Warriors in six, but I look at the Celtics defense, and it's just been so good. And I do think it's built to hold up against a lot of the stuff that – Golden State runs off the ball. Um, you're probably not going to slow down Steph Curry, um, but you do have the ability to, to throw the kitchen sink at him and recover. And so I do think we'll hopefully get a seven-game finals, which we deserve after some of the games that we witnessed through the past <laughs> round. But I have Golden State in seven. Dan, appreciate your time as always. Brother, tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where they can go to read all your great work. Yeah, they can find everything I write is up at Bleacher Report. If they want to follow me on Twitter, it's just my name, at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. Dan, appreciate your time, bud. Enjoy the NBA Finals, brother, and we'll be in touch. Well, definitely. Thanks for having me as always. Take care. You want someone to come in and break down the NBA for you? That's my guy. Best guy to do so is, is Dan. Appreciate his time as always. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, you know it's Wednesday. It's hump day, which means it's the foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to fair food? When you go to the fair, what you grabbing? Guess what? Our new intern from UL will be making his debut on the microphone, sharing his thoughts, as will the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. That's all coming up right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Woo! 
Why do I have song in my heart? Well, it's easy. It's easy. Going to the fair today. Going to the fair. Cajun Heartland State Fair. Taking the family. Taking the wife. Taking the little one. Got a buddy of mine and his wife and his two boys are coming in from Indiana. We're all going to go to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. It's going to be a good time. That inspired our foodie poll question of the week this week. We always have it on Wednesday. And it's all about fair food. What's your go-to fair food? Your favorite snack when you go to the fair? In between trying to throw darts at balloons to win your kid a stuffed animal. That kind of stuff. Well, I've already shared my thoughts on this. I've already told you my go-to is probably funnel cake. That's the go-to for yours truly here. Your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. But we asked you, what is your go-to favorite snack at the fair? Is it funnel cake? Is it corn dog? Is it a fried cookie or candy? They deep fry everything these days. Milky Way, Snickers, pieces of cardboard, it doesn't matter. Or is it the old staple cotton candy? Well, I've already shared with you my thoughts on this. Let's get some other insight from members of the game family, if you will. We're going to start off with our intern. That's right. He's going to be here all summer long. Daryl is now making his RP3 and Company on-air debut. He's been with us for a few weeks. My man's switching careers, coming into broadcasting. He wants to kick it off here with us. Been doing some great work. Good morning, brother. Welcome. Good morning. My man is ready to go. Okay. You've been hearing us talk about it for two-plus hours, Daryl. The go-to snack when you go to the fair. What's your go-to snack when you take the family, you guys go to the fair? What do you have to get in your belly? I got to get my fried cookie candy. I have Woo! to get that. All right. What, do you have a prep? Is it is it the fried Oreos, or do you like the Milky Ways, or the Snickers, or does it matter? Snickers is taking 18 months off my life, like you said. <laughs> That's right. That's right. If you enjoy one of the fried candy bars at the fair, you you are conceding about 18 months off your life on the back end. So you have to kind of balance it out and figure out if that is what you're going to do. Is that what you oh, say? Fried Snickers is your go-to. That's right. That's my go-to. All right. All right. Thank you, bud. Thank That's Daryl, our intern working behind the scenes, just made his debut on the air here on RP3 and Company. All right. Let's go to the man that's sitting beside me. You hear him every morning here on the game. It's our good friend Steve Wiley, the man behind the two-minute drill. He also gives your traffic reports. He does a little bit of everything. Also, the man behind Sipping Saints with Steve, our social media video series that we've had up and running for more than a month now. Mr. Steve Wiley, good morning. Welcome to the big studio. Good morning. Thank you for having me on RP3 and Company. Oh, thank you for being here, but all right. What's your go-to for you? When you go to the fair and you take the family or when you you know, you know take the, the kids or whatever it might be or you just go by yourself, you, you and your wife, does not matter. What's your go-to? What's always been the go-to fair snack for the Steve Wiley? Well, it's, it's hard to say go-to, and I'm going to tell you right now, I, th- I think I have to talk more about what I would not go to, okay? <laughs> I would not go to funnel cake. I would not go to cotton candy. That's way too much sugar for me. Too sweet. Too yeah, sweet for too you. Too sweet. Okay. Too sweet. Right. Uh, fried stuff? Oh, man. I, I got a weakness for fried stuff. 
uh, you know, things like the, the egg rolls or the fried alligator on a stick or whatever. But uh, but that's not on your list. Uh, we we do encourage write-in votes when it comes to our poll question. All right, cool. Because, I mean, of the things you listed, I'd have to go with corn dog. Um, definitely not like regular hot dog. You know, we, we mentioned this earlier, sporting events, fairs, that kind of thing. If you go right when they open or at the start of the ball game or whatever, don't get a hot dog because it's likely to be left over from the day before. That's a helpful tip. Helpful tip from our, from our guy, Steve. Okay, so... Don't get the hot dog early at a ball game. Wait until about the fourth yeah. inning or so, yeah. and then you know that's going to be fresh. So that's a that's a great tip from you. And the roasted peanuts are okay. You know, Ro- roasted peanuts are okay. Yeah. So when you go to the fair or ball game, what's the go to then? I I think of the things that you listed, probably corn dog, but I would have a preference for for something like alligator on a stick or egg rolls or something like ooh, that. Ooh, ooh, ooh! This man has a very very. Very high-class palette there. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, let's bring in producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names here to our discussion. Once again, it's our foodie poll question of the week. We're doing a little roundtable discussion here on RP3 and Company. We've heard from the intern, Daryl. What's his go-to? He says deep-fried candy in particular or deep-fried sneakers. Uh, Snickers. Steve says... If I have to choose something on your list, I'm going to go corn dog. But he'd like alligator on stick or some egg rolls or something like that. He likes his fair food to be on a stick. I've told you my go-to is funnel cake. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah, five names. What is your go-to fair snack, your go-to fair food? Give it to us. Okay, so definitely of the list, it's a funnel cake because it's delicious, it's messy, and it's worth the mess, and I don't care. I will be okay if there's white powder all over my shirt because I know I enjoyed that funnel cake. So you enjoy looking like an extra off the movie Scarface. Yeah. That's yeah. not a problem. Why not? Yeah. But <laughs> it's not a problem. But JBK the OD man, when he rolled that that smoked turkey leg, it is not a meal. It is a snack. Okay. It's definitely a snack. So thank you for bringing that up, producer extraordinaire. That's why you have the title. Take notes, Daryl, on how you become extraordinary around here. So she brings a little something extra because JPK the OD, one of our uh, uh, callers and fans that comments on our poll question. Uh, he brought up turkey leg. Too much work. My, oh, <laughs> that, Steve has chimed in. Steve says the turkey leg is too much work. It is too much work. And here's the other thing. It's not something that you eat easily, right? It's not a quick eat. That's why I don't view it as a snack. Corn dog, I can eat it in three bites. <laughs> a funnel cake, we can devour in a few bites. A Snickers Deep-fried Snickers or Oreo can be done in a few bites. Cotton candy, it just melts in your hand anyway. All that is quick, in-between games and rides eats. A turkey leg, you're bringing it around. It's a commitment for having that in your hand for an hour. But you think about it, one, not everyone's going to want one, as they say in quotes, and then they will continuously take bites off of it from you. So you basically only get three or four bites of it. Oh, no, no, no. Yes! No, no, no. I have walked around <laughs> Disney World with a turkey leg and not even walked a quarter of the mile. And it's already halfway gone. I haven't got a bite of it yet. I say, for, that's a separate discussion. We don't have time to, 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 to discuss why you're letting people just gnaw on a turkey leg. Well, I mean, you uh, is your this family? family? Okay. Yes. Okay. You uh, know, I'm worried. not a random this must stranger. Be someone you know pretty well. <laughs> yes. Usually it's like my cousin because it's, it's also I'm cheap. letting you know right now. 
I'm just going to be straight up. Whether it's a chicken leg, a turkey leg, it could be a T-bone steak. I don't care what it is. I'm not letting somebody else gnaw on that. I don't care if they're family or not. They are not getting anywhere near my grub. See, I mean, the even, intern's shaking his head. He's like, no, he's judging you. He's like, even what's my, happening? Well, the person that mainly takes a bite out of my turkey leg is my cousin, or now who's chimed in, my father, who is like, turkey leg is the best, because he's usually the one that takes half of my turkey leg. So we got to get two, because if I don't get two. But you're walking around enough at the park to have multiple people eat on your turkey leg. That's what I'm saying. It is a commitment. That's a long time. Yes, That's but not you think about it. Do you not know how many fares? The lines are somewhat long. Which you got, you know, the usual carousel. Yeah, 45 or minute right wait. The uh, lovely ride that you don't like where you sit against the wall and, and like, then what turn do you do so- with it? I mean, what do you do with the bowl finished- and the napkin and everything? You're waiting in line to get on a ride. Now, what the hell do I do with this thing? Oh, no, you tossing that. Fired. You'll pick it up after you get off the ride. You'll pick it up so you're not littering. She's talking just throwing a turkey leg into the grass. But usually it's done. Usually I am finished with it before I get the ride on. So. Steve is beside himself. Thank you for coming in this morning, brother. Thank you so much. Steve Wiley, the man behind the two-minute drill in our traffic reports, joining us here. He's walking out the studio. He doesn't know what to do with this information that Hannah has shared. Also, thanks to our new intern, our intern extraordinaire, Daryl, and, of course, the producer extraordinaire for chiming in on our poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. Keep those votes coming. And keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter as well. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, my old friend Teddy Allen. That's right. He's part of the broadcasting team up at Louisiana Tech. He is a columnist for designated writers. And, well, he's going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this summer as the Singer Service Award winner. We're going to talk to Teddy about those Bulldogs. Do they have a chance? to be one of the four teams from the state of Louisiana to win their regional as the lower seed. We'll break it all down coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game is turning 10 years old. That's right. And this is your official invitation to party with us as we celebrate a decade of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. That's Wednesday, June the 22nd. There's going to be delicious wings, amazing door prizes like Astros tickets, a round of golf, station swag, and more. And appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personality including Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. Don't forget to get those votes in for our poll question of the day. It's a good one. 
It's Wednesday, so it's our foodie poll question of the week. Cajun Heartland State Fair is up and running. We want to know from you, what's your go-to snack at the fair? We just had a lively debate about what warrants a snack at the fair between myself, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, our new intern extraordinaire Daryl, and our buddy Steve Wiley. Um, Turkey leg, I say, is not a snack. That's a meal because it takes you that long to eat it. We had a vivid and vigorous debate, if you will, on there about that. We want to hear from you. Get those votes in on our poll question of the day. What's your favorite snack at the fair? Is it corn dog? Is it a funnel cake? Is it a fried cookie or candy? Or is it cotton candy? Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk a little NCAA regional action for college baseball. That's right. Four teams from the state of Louisiana made it to the regionals. No one's hosting, but our teams do have a chance. These these regionals are winnable. LSU as the two seed over in Hattiesburg. Southeastern Louisiana is the four seed up in Auburn. That's a wide open regional. The Raging Cajuns, they're going over to College Station as the three seed. And the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. They hosted a regional a year ago. They're back in another one this time. They're the two seed over in Austin, and I personally like their chances to win that regional. We'll find out if our next guest does the same, feels the same way, if you will. He's an award-winning columnist for designatedwriters.com. He's also going to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this summer in Natchitoches as a Distinguished Service Award winner. The man who MCs better than anyone else, my old friend, my good friend, Mr. Teddy Allen, joins us now. Teddy, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm good. I'm enjoying, <laughs> I've enjoyed listening to the last couple of minutes. I guess a turkey leg would be a meal, but just a, a drumstick would be a snack, right, if it was just a regular See? chicken walking around? See, there we go. See, Teddy understands. It's, Teddy understands where I'm coming from. But do we need to add... Do, do we need to add turkey legs to the hors d'oeuvre orders there for the induction ceremony for you? I mean, can no, we... that's the turkey legs too medieval, too <laughs> middle ages for me. I just I always feel like I'm supposed to have chain mail on if I'm eating one of those things. But anyway, oh, anyway. I love it. I love it. All right, bud. That's a fun. Hey, happy anniversary! And uh, oh, thank thanks you, brother. To, thanks to Hannah Five Names for getting me on. She's a She's a winner, winner, chicken dinner, speaking of there it is. chicken. There it is. Yeah. All right, bud. So, yeah, NCAA baseball, what fun. The, that the is Texans fun. Really, they're fun to watch, and I think they split with ULL this year. I think they split with Southeastern. They swept LSU. And, um, and yeah, I think they have a good chance at um, in Austin. It's, it's baseball, so who, who knows? They could be, you know, two and Q, but they're a fun team, and they're, they're – they're hot right now. They're playing really loose. Um, they've won their last two games in walk-offs. They had had a walk-off all year, and they had back-to-backs down at the conference tournament to win that in Hattiesburg. So, um, so I'm yeah, I'm I'm rooting for them because uh, I like free baseball. So I hope <laughs> I hope all our hope all our Louisiana teams can can uh, keep playing as long as they can. It'd be fun. It it should be fun. Tell me a little bit about. This year's team. What's the what's what's this year's Louisiana Tech's team's identity, Teddy? Uh, they are very resilient. 
they kept losing on Friday nights, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three game series. Uh, they lost most of their Friday night games. But then they were undefeated on Saturday. Uh, and they, they never got swept. Uh, the only league team that beat them, uh, two out of three was South, uh, Southern Mississippi. And that was down at Southern Miss. They, they, Went five and four against the teams that were in the NCAA regional last year in their league, which is, uh, Southern Miss and Old Dominion and, um, oh, who else? Some other team. <laughs> they, they, they just kept, they kept getting beat on Fridays and coming back to win on, on Saturday and Sunday. It was, it was, uh, oh, Charlotte was the other team that was the champions last year. They, they got embarrassed by them on a Friday night. You know, eleven to three, and then came back and beat them eight three, and and beat them in extra innings on the on the last day of the regular season. So, kind of a tough, pretty tough schedule. Uh, again, they 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 beat LSU twice. One one of those times in extra innings down at Alex Box. So they 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 really like each other. It's, it's kind of weird. There's not really a you know a ornery guy on the team. They they somehow make good grades. They've got a three point something grade point average as a team. They they get along and they can they can really play. They never think they're out of it. They kinda have the identity of their coach who's uh you know, grew up without much in Mississippi and just was a scrapper and he he tried to get a real job about twenty three and that lasted about two days and he had he had the <laughs> he had a truck note, he had he leased an apartment. He got utilities. Then he called his girlfriend, who he'd been they'd been dating since the ninth grade. He said, "I just y'all got to come get me. I can't do this and take me back to Mississippi." And, and he, you know, he got a graduate assistant job, and he just he's a grinder, and that's kind of like his team is. His, his name's Lane Burroughs, and he was a coach at Mississippi State Southern Miss, Northwestern. He was Northwestern State head coach to, for a little while. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Northwestern head coach was his first head coaching job. And then he wound up at Tech six years ago. And, and, you know, the tornado came three years ago. That's another thing with this team. These seniors have, they went through a year without having a football, uh, baseball field. And, um, they had the, the virus year. So they, they just kind of kept, kept bouncing back. They just want to play ball. So that's what makes them easy to root for is they're just, they're just guys wanting to, wanting to play. Who are they going to throw out there on the bump, Teddy? Who, who, who's their guy? Who's their they, ace? I think I think their guy. I think Ryan Jennings. He's usually been the Saturday guy, but he's he will. My guess is he will start Friday. He's a senior from um, um, down around Houston. He's a six one one ninety two guy with eleven percent body fat. The only reason I know that is because. <laughs> One of the teachers at school has a, he's our, you know, perform baseball performance guy. And I said on the radio, hey, Ryan's, you know, six foot 180, and I got a text. He's 6'2, 192, with 11% body fat. I said, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> the point is, the point is, he's a, he's a, he's a really, really good athlete who takes really good care of himself. He, if you just saw him walking around, he's just, you know, quiet and humble. But when he gets on the mound, he he'll you know he'll beat his fist into his chest and he'll point at the other dugout. He'll stare over there. He 
it's weird when he gets on the mound. He's really quite the competitor. They they have an off conference uh, left hander named Jonathan Spencer, who's who's a senior. Um, he'll pitch, and and then they they've got the uh, uh, their closures a kid named Kyle Krieger from Mississippi. He's got a great makeup, uh, and he just he wants to be out there when the game's on the line and he's he made all conference for him and it's weird in the conference tournament this team that was really a good defensive team they made 11 errors in five games and their closer Krieger gave up three home runs including a two-run bomb in the semifinals that Tech won in a walk-off and then he gave up one to tie the game in the final game the Tech was able to score in the bottom of the night to win that game so Again, resiliency and picking each other up, they seem to have a good chemistry uh, along those lines, which is kind of handy in baseball if you are stupid enough to think you're never out of it. We're talking with Teddy Allen. He does color commentary for Louisiana Tech Broadcast. He's a award-winning columnist for designatedwriters.com, and he's the MC for the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. He's going to have to put those duties aside briefly uh, in a few weeks as we induct him into the hall for the distinguished service award all right brother give me your x factor here tell me give me what louisiana tech is going to have to do if they're going to win the austin regional as the two seed and punch their ticket to a super uh i think just what they've been doing is playing pretty loose again it you know me and you were taught when we were young raymond to try to outdumb people and <laughs> act like you don't know what you're doing and secretly just try to keep doing what you're supposed to do and show it up, and I think that's what these guys need to do. I don't think the moment will be too big for them. They, they were in a regional last year. They take host of the regional for the first time in program history. Um, so I don't think playing um, down in Austin will arm at all. I think it's just up to the baseball guys now, really. Um, but they've got a leadoff hitter named Taylor Young, who's a senior, he and the three-hole hitter, Steele Netterville, they both came to Tech with no scholarship. Uh, they were a couple of first players that Lane Burroughs recruited. They've now, they're going to finish 1-2 in games played in program history. If they can have, you know, good series, which they've been consistent their whole careers, people kind of feed off those guys. Um, I think the rest of the team will catch on. They're, they're, Again, they're pretty they're a pretty fearless bunch, and and they're starting to hit at just the right time. Um, so I, I I really honestly just think it's up to the baseball guys at this point. If they I know they'll compete. They they'll do that, and so um, I would not be surprised to 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 see them win it. And Teddy. Appreciate your time as always. Tell the people, Bud, where they can go to read all your great work that you're well, doing these days. No, you're very kind, and as you know, I'm the luckiest person you've ever met, and I really appreciate uh, having friends like you and be a part of the the Louisiana Sports Writers Association. We, there's a bunch of parish journals now, so you can go to ShreveportBosierJournal.com, uh, LincolnParishJournal.com designated writers uh or louisiana tech sports.com or my or you can go to twitter at, uh i'm mama loves manning my mother loves the manning people 
So we're uh, at MamaLovesManning.com. And I, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I've got to talk to Hannah five names this morning. I've had some RP3 time. I, I didn't know about the anniversary, but I know the Hall of Fame is the last week in June, and now we can kick it off with the June 22nd anniversary, you know, swag deal. There you go, bud. Where's, where's that going to be? That's going to be at, at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey in, in Lafayette, okay, bud. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. So we can go to Lafayette and then come back up to Natchez. Good. There you oh, go, I bud. I got that week set. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Raymond. Appreciate your time, brother. Uh, holler at me if you need me. I'll, t- I'll talk to you later. Bye to Hannah. <laughs> Bye, bud. That's Teddy Allen. This color commentary for Louisiana Tech. He works for Designated Writers. He also works for the Shreveport Bossier Journal and the Lincoln Parish Journal. Award-winning columnist and a straight-up just great guy breaking down everything for Louisiana Tech. And here's the thing about the Bulldogs, and this is one of the reasons why I like them in this regional. This is a team that survived and lived through the tornado, destroying their ballpark and making them not have a home. This is the same group of guys, a veteran group, that dealt with the pandemic wiping out a season. This is the same group of guys that led their team to hosting a regional for the first time in program history. Those are a lot of things there that this group of guys has been through. That matters. It matters. It matters. Plus, they're just a good ball club. Just a good ball club. I know a lot of Raging Cajun fans right now don't want to hear that about the Texters, okay, about those Bulldogs. I get it. But that is a really good baseball program. Lane Burroughs has done a phenomenal job up there in Ruston, and I like their chances in the Austin Regional. we got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show. We'll finalize the poll question of the day, the foodie poll question of the week, and we'll get you set up for Kevin Foote and Footnotes, which should be a glorious Wednesday morning. I say 3-1 victory is the most ideal victory for Kevin Foote. We'll find out in a little bit. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Don't forget Houston Astros Day Baseball this afternoon right here on the game. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. The Strohs will be looking to sweep the athletics today in the Bay Area. First pitch is set for 237. That's 237 sharp. Pre-game will begin around 203, 204, and you can listen to all the action live right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. I want to take a moment to thank our guest for making today's Wednesday edition of RP3 and Company tremendous, Dan Favalli from Bleacher Report, talking NBA Finals, and our good friend Teddy Allen from Designated Writers and soon-to-be Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, talking all things Louisiana Tech baseball as they gear up for another regional. Our poll question of the day is our foodie poll question of the week since it is Wednesday. We asked you, in honor of the Cajun Heartland State Fair up and running, packed to the gills. What is your favorite snack at the fair? There was a lively debate, which we will share. You know what? We're going to share that segment in case you missed it. The lively debate between the four of us, the intern, Daryl, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah, five names, and Steve Wiley and myself about the debate about snacks, what deems a snack at a fair. We'll share that for you later. 
But right now, what's your favorite snack at the fair? 64% of you voted funnel cake. 20% say corn dog. 11% say fried cookie slash candy. And 5% of you went with the old standby cotton candy. Thanks to all who voted. Thanks to all who left their comments as well. And that's going to do it for today's edition of RP3 and Company. For the intern extraordinaire, he's got the title. Daryl, he earned it today. The producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. Steve Wiley as well. Shout out to him. And you're truly the big, bald, and beautiful one. Thank you for listening. We'll do it all again tomorrow from 6 to 9, but in between now and then. Be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana.